in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Let us read some verses from James chapter 3. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Do not love the world or the things which are in the world. In these two verses, uh, St. James telling us, let, let not many of you become teachers. Why? Because the teacher will receive a stricter judgment more than the rest of the people. You are teaching. So you are required actually to apply what you are teaching. You cannot teach the people to pray and yourself you are not praying. You cannot teach the people to study the scripture and you are not reading the scripture, etc. That's why we will receive a stricter judgment. Another point that St. James mentioned that we all stumble in many things. We all stumble in words. Uh, who can say, I never sin by my mouth? All of us, we sin. That's why he said, if anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. I mean, there are many challenges for us as Sunday school teachers. That's why I like to speak today about what are the characteristics of the orthodox uh, biblical teaching in order to see whether what we are teaching is what God is expecting from us or not. Simply, as I told you, because we will receive a stricter judgment. I hope this verse does not discourage us from being teachers. But this verse should motivate us to be teachers according to the orthodox way, to the will according to the will of God. The first one, our teacher should be bound, should be based on the scripture and the correct understanding of the scripture. Uh, unfortunately, many people right now try to use the scripture to defend their uh, her heretical teaching. That's why we need to understand the scripture as intended by God. 
What do I mean by as intended by God? If I sent all of you a letter, and each one interpreted my letter differently, which one of you actually will actually understand my letter correctly? Is the one actually who interpreted according to what I intended by the letter. The one who is able to discover my intention behind every word, this is the one who understands my letter correctly. In the same way, many verses in the Bible were used by heretics. Arius, for example, he used, my father is greater than I, and he twisted this verse and taught that Jesus is less than God. He is like intermediate between God and human being. So we need to understand the scripture as intended by God. So our teaching will be biblical, but according to the correct understanding of the scripture. How can we reach? Is it possible to understand the scripture as intended by God? Yes, it's possible. Thank God before year 451, the Holy Church in the different countries in the world has the same understanding of the scripture. And the Holy Church were one church. Yes, there was a church in Alexandria, a church in Rome, church in Antioch, church in Jerusalem, different churches. But all these churches were in communion, and they have the same understanding. And during this time, many fathers wrote commentary on the scripture, explained the scripture. So, when we study the early church fathers, and this is the importance of studying the early church fathers before the split in the church. When we study the early church father, we will get into a better understanding of the scripture. So when you teach, you are not teaching your own personal opinion but you are teaching what the fathers understood and taught us. Especially these fathers were close to the time of Christ and the apostles and their successors. And since they were close to Christ and the apostles and their successors, this means they have better understanding of the scripture than us who are 2,000 years after Christ. And this actually leads us to the third point, which is the importance of the holy tradition. So we said teaching should be biblical, patristic, and then based on the holy tradition. And when we speak about the holy tradition, there is the tradition of the apostles, and there is the tradition of the church after the apostles. God actually 
delivered the apostles certain tradition. And this was sent to us in letters, like the letters in the scripture. But many things actually we received verbally from them. And it was recorded to us. Recorded to us like in the liturgies. Recorded, like for example, when we pray the liturgy of St. Cyril, which originally written by St. Mark. So this is part of the holy apostolic tradition. Also, we believe that the Holy Spirit is still working in the church. The Holy Spirit did not stop working in the church after the time of the apostles. So there is also the tradition of the uh, church, of the Holy Church. Like the tradition of the fathers, St. Athanasius, St. Cyril of Alexandria, the tradition that's written to us in the Psalm of the book, like the Etokeias, Psalis, uh, the Divine Liturgy. Many things, actually, we understand it through the liturgy, for example. Let me give you a, a small example. There is a debate about the original sin, whether we are born with the original sin or not. When you read St. Gregory liturgy, St. Gregory in his liturgy, he spoke about, I did eat by my own will. So here, St. Gregory understand that all of us, the humanity were represented in Adam. And we were part of this tree, part of Adam, in the root. So when Adam ate, all of us, we ate with him. So all of us, we were born with the original sin. That's the importance of going to the church tradition, like the liturgy, like the sexologies, like the theotokias. The seventh Utopia has a lot of dogmatic theology that will help us to understand the mystery of the incarnation. So the teaching should be biblical, patristic, and based on the holy tradition. Also, the teaching should be uh, holistic. Holistic means cover several areas. There are some youth right now, they tell us, we don't want to hear theological uh, discussion. Just give us something practical about our life. Tell us uh, 
about relationships, conflict resolution. So how to hear the will of God in my life, how to decide about my career. So they want just practical uh, solution. And that's important. But how can you give practical and applied solution without foundation? For example, in medicine, they cannot actually start with the clinical from the first year. They have to give them foundation. They study anatomy and histology and uh, biochemistry and pathology and pharmacology. All this has nothing to do with the clinical. But these are the foundation of the clinical. And without studying all these things, they cannot teach them clinical. In the same way, the theology is the foundation upon which I will build how to apply these principles in my life. That's why when you study the letters of St. Paul, you will find in the beginning uh, all the chapters are theology, pure theology. And then at the end, he starts to give applied. How to apply this theology in your life. Romans, for example, from chapter 1 to chapter 11, 11 chapters, pure theology about justification. Then from chapter 12, start therefore. Therefore means after you understand all these theological principles, the application is. And the application actually is fewer chapters. We have from 12 to 16, five chapters only application, but 11 chapters are theology. You cannot actually speak to people about, for example, marriage and divorce without explaining the theology of marriage and this sacrament and the meaning of the this sacrament. Otherwise, it will end to be like a psychology uh, talk and that's it. Uh, so when I say the teaching should be holistic, it should cover dogmatic theology, it should cover theology, it should cover understanding of the liturgy, it should cover church history, and church history, let me say something about it quickly. Church history is not just to know the history of the Coptic Church or the history of Christianity in the whole world. It's not like you study the history of America. No. Studying the history is actually studying the work of the Holy Spirit in the Church. How the Holy Spirit is working in the Church. And this actually will help us because what we are facing right now is not new. We are facing pandemic right now. But the church actually faced several pandemic before. 
So when we see how the church reacted to the pandemic back then, this will enlighten us how we should react right now and will correct our way whether we are reacting in the right way or in the wrong way. So what we are facing right now, we can have a better understanding how to handle it through the study of the church history. Uh, also, the teaching should be aimed toward motivating the people to grow in spirituality. To be connected with God, connected with Christ. To have a personal relationship with God. So not only the teaching just to fill the mind of the people with knowledge. No, we call it transformational teaching or transformational education. Meaning this teaching or this education will transform the people. The teaching in itself should have the power of transformation, especially when it is anointed by the Holy Spirit. There are some things we need to be aware of when we teach. Number one, the dangerous, the danger of teaching your own personal opinion. You are here now not to hear my personal opinion about how we teach, but you hear, you are here now to listen to what God actually wants us how to teach, what God is expecting for us when we teach. Unfortunately, many people use the opportunity of teaching in order actually to push their own personal opinions. And these are unfaithful teachers. Because if the church entrusted you with teaching, the church entrusted you with teaching not to force your own personal opinion, but to teach according to the scripture, according to the holy tradition. Unfortunately, many people right now, they force their personal opinion about feminism, about sexuality, uh, what they believe it is right, or in order to be politically correct, or in order to gain popularity. So they actually push their personal opinion. And these are unfaithful teachers. 
And I like to remind them with the words of Saint James, we will receive stricter judgment. If God entrusted you to be a teacher and you are using or misusing actually this opportunity to push your personal agenda, you will receive a stricter judgment. Another thing actually we need to be aware of, uh, the danger of using one verse and building a dogma or a doctrine based on one verse. Uh, like the verses that I told you, my father is greater than I. Arius used this verse and he built uh, his heresy based on this verse. The Protestant use one verse just to believe and you will be saved. And they denied all the verses about works. And they built their understanding of salvation based on one verse. Just believe and you will be saved. Also, St. James said, faith without works is dead. But they did not pay attention to this. So, some people twist or choose one verse in order to support their theology or their idea. Or some people actually use one saying from the church fathers. And they say, okay, Saint Cyril of Alexandria said so and so. And it's one, ver one, one saying in order to make uh, a doctrine about it. And even this saying, they may, may misinterpret it. But just to prove their uh, theology or their point of view. So, if you want to study a subject like uh, the divinity of the sun, like the original sin, like uh, what does it mean to be partakers in the divine nature? Like the role of women in the church. You need actually to get all the verses and all the sayings that support this topic. And how the early church fathers handled this issue. For example, if you want to study divorce, what are the reasons of divorce? Or what are or the rules of the women in the church? Number one, if, if you want to be fair, you need to do the, the following. You need actually to get all the verses and all the church fathers' writings about this topic. Number two, you need actually to find the commentary on these verses according to early church fathers. Then you need actually to see how the church practiced 
For example, whether the early church until year 451 allowed women to chant solo in the liturgy, to stand on, on the Mangalaya and read during the liturgy? Did this happen in the church or not? And is it cultural or not cultural? So you need actually to study how the church handled this. And when some churches allowed this, what was the reason? Was this drifting from the holy tradition? And how other churches responded to this? When some churches allowed divorce for many reasons, not only for sexual immorality. Is there any biblical support for this? Any patristic support for this or not? That's how actually you address these issues. Don't rely on one verse. Don't rely on one saying. But you need to do a comprehensive study. And you need actually to start your study from a neutral uh, uh, way. Not to prove, for example, if I want to, to prove uh, that women should participate in the liturgy in singing and in reading and in chanting and, and, then actually I will be looking for saying or verses that I can twist to serve my uh, opinion. Or if I want, I'm convinced that divorce should be allowed for so many reasons, I will try to twist some verses or some uh, sayings to serve my purpose. But this is not honesty. We are not faithful. And we should remember as a teachers, we will receive a stricter judgment. Also, don't yield to the majority opinion or to what the people want. We are in a difficult time. People want to pressure the church to follow their opinion. So the rule in the church will be not the rule of God, but will be the rule of the people. People will be ruling the church, not God. And the church is not, when I speak about theology, is not democratic. It is theocratic. Theocratic means it is the ruling of God, theos, not the ruling of the people. Some churches voted for same-sex marriage. And when the majority voted and said yes, they accept same-sex marriage. So this is actually not acceptable. Because here, 
you are giving the church the ruling, not God. That's the problem with the seventh church in the book of Revelation, Church of Laodicea. Laodicea or Laodicea from the word Laos. Laos means people. So this church literally asked God to leave, kicked God outside the church. We will rule the church as we see it right. But God, out of his humbleness and out of his uh, love toward us, he remained at the door. That's why he said to the church in Laodicea, I'm standing at the door and knocking, if you open to me. Because he kicked him out. But in the same way, at the same time, God told them, if you're going to leave me out, then I will vomit you because you are not either hot or cold. I will vomit you from my mouth. In your arrogance, you believe that you are rich and you have no need. But I'm telling you, you are poor, wretched, miserable, and blind. This is the case that follow the majority opinion. what the majority needs. Another thing, actually, we need to understand our limitation. There are certain issues or certain questions we will not be able to understand or know the answer to these questions. And most probably when we try to answer these questions, we will say something wrong. Because theology is done through revelation. Revelation, whatever God revealed to us, that's what we know and that's what we teach. But if God did not reveal something to us, I cannot make a theory or a speculation or a give personal opinion. The best answer here is, I do not know. Many people ask, what will happen to the children who are born but died without baptism? And many people try to give answers. But all these answers can be challenged easily. And the best answer to this question is, I don't know simply because God did not reveal to us. There is no revelation. There is no answer in the scripture or in the holy tradition. So, let us respect our limitation. And when there is no revelation about certain question, let us say, I don't know. I don't know. Also, there are some verses in the scripture difficult to understand. St. Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 3, 
verse 15 and 16, he spoke about the letters of St. Paul, how difficult they are. He said, and consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are something hard to understand. So he said, in the letters of St. Paul, there are some things are hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scripture. Some people will twist these verses, but he said, to their own destruction, to their own destruction. So we need to respect our limitation. And if one in your class asked you a question and you don't know the answer, you can say, I don't know the answer, I will look it for you. And next week I will answer. Don't try just to give an answer, even if you don't know the answer for it. Because we are a teachers and we will receive stricter condemnation, uh, judgment, we receive stricter judgment. So, if you are asked about a verse or about a situation and you don't know, just say, I don't know. I will look at it. I will search it for you. I will see what church fathers uh, wrote about this. Also, another thing we need to be aware of, the exception. Don't look for an exception and teach it as a rule. Exception is exception. For example, in a certain time in the church history, if the church allowed certain practice as an exception, you cannot actually take this practice and you say the church done this, so now we can generalize it. I can, we can use it actually as a general uh, uh, principle. No. We should understand, yes, in certain time, the church may make exceptions. So the church, until now, for example, in, in, in the small communities, we may pray liturgy in a hotel or in, in the house uh, of one of the believers. But I cannot say that is the norm and we generalize this. This is an exception. But if there is a church, why I go and do wedding in a hotel or on a beach? There is a church. And any sacrament should be done inside the church. So don't look for an exception and say this is an exception and uh, want to generalize it. Or you teach it as something normal.
or something uh, to be applied all the time. Exception is an exception. Also, we need to be careful from stumbling, becoming a stumbling block in, in front of our children. Children, our children, I mean, or our students, expect that we live what we teach. There is no discrepancy between what I am teaching and what I am living. This discrepancy was found in the life of the scribes and Pharisees. Uh, that's why the Lord gave them advice and he told them, whatever they tell you, do it. But according to their deeds, don't do it. Because they teach, but they don't do it. This can be a big stumbling block. If I'm teaching something, but my life is not reflecting this. Actually, when we ordain a new priest, in the commandment at the end of the ordination, we tell him that teach by work more than by saying. Uh, we tell him uh, it is necessary for you Therefore, to act and teach through good deeds rather than by words. To teach, to act and teach, and we put act before teaching. To act and teach through good deeds rather than by word. Remembering the word of the Apostle Peter who says, I exhort you, etc. So, here, teaching by word, by example, is, is more powerful. In, in our uh, life with our families, for example, if you grew in a, in a house where your parents never uh, swear, most probably also you, never, you are never swearing, just because you did not hear this in, in the house. Is he never cursed? most probably also you are not cursing. Not because they give you a lecture about it, just you learn it from their example. Becoming a stumbling block either by false teaching or by our behavior, the Lord said, woe to those who cause others to sin. It's better for them to be drowned in the sea, rather than from offending one of these little children. Uh, another example of offending others is actually you emphasize what you like 
and you attack what you don't like. Let me give you an example. Uh, uh, like one of the servants, he likes hymns and midnight praises. So he is focusing all his effort to teach his children hymns and praises. But he doesn't like Agbeya. So he doesn't pay attention to the Agbeya. And sometimes maybe attacking the Agbeya. You say, you know, you need to pray with your own personal words. This actually will make you connect better to God, etc. And the opposite is true. If somebody liked the Psalms and liked the Agbeya, but he did not learn the hymns of the church, Coptic language, or midnight praises, or the praises. So he will encourage you to pray and use the Agbeya, because he loves the Agbeya. But because he did not learn the hymns of the church, he will attack the hymns of the church. Just because he doesn't like it, or he did not learn it. Don't fall in this trap. So, when you teach, actually, don't teach what you like and attack what you don't like. You need, actually, to, to be faithful to the church and the tradition of the church when you are teaching. Because you are not teaching or preaching yourself, but preaching what God entrusted you to preach. You need to be faithful. The last point I like to say here, don't focus how to impress the people uh, in a worldly way, but make your focus more how the Holy Spirit touch the heart of the people. St. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he said to the people in verse 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. St. Paul was eloquent in his speeches. He did not like to impress the people with the excellence of speech or with the human wisdom. That's why in verse, in verse 4 he said, my speech and my preaching were not with the persuasive words of human wisdom. He did not rely on the persuasive words of human wisdom. But he relied on what? But in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So he was using and praying that the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit will pierce the heart of the people, will touch their heart. Why? He answered in verse 5, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 
Wisdom of men can be debated and can be challenged. But the power of the Holy Spirit cannot be debated and cannot be challenged. When the power of the Holy Spirit pierces the heart of a person, he cannot actually argue about it. But if we are using the persuasive words of human wisdom, it will be easy debated, it will be easy uh, replied to. So I hope in this lecture we covered some important characteristic of the orthodox teaching and how actually as Sunday school servants we should be faithful in what we teach keeping this verse in your mind that we will receive a stricter judgment we will receive stricter judgment glory be to God forever and ever Amen